On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is a Locked On crossover show. Not only Locked On 49ers, this is a Locked On Browns show. So Brian Peacock here, host of Locked On 49ers. We've got Jeff Lloyd, host of Locked On Browns. And we're going to talk about that Week 5 Monday Night Football matchup and uh, get to know each other a little bit better. It's fun to get to know each other's opponents as we go through the offseason here, not only getting to know our own rosters better. So Jeff, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining me today. Um, you will, you know, no, you know, thanks. Obviously, this is a great time to be here. Uh, but, uh, you know, thank you. Uh, thank you as well uh, for my Browns listeners. Um, how I got in the door and how I got here is Mr. Brian Peacock. Uh, so, uh, you know, whether you want to thank him for that or hit him with a small hammer, this is how I ended up here. So, uh, but, you know, look, we're going to get into it. Uh, and, and I've told you guys a little bit about this to the listeners. You guys better figure out how you're going to work that schedule. It ain't all 1 o'clock Sundays anymore. Yeah, and I apologize to all those Locked on Browns listeners for uh, for helping, doing a, a very minor part in uh, in helping Jeff join the network. And I think it's been a positive thing for the network. And I see those numbers growing for you, man. Congrats on that. Uh, well, I, obviously, you know, with, you know, with the product being where it's at, and I'll tell you right now, uh, you know, a month into it, I was, what did I, what did I sign up for? As we rolled into Owen 16, and there I'm yelling at the television on Christmas Eve, and uh, it was like, all right, well, well, things will get better. They can't get worse. And most of these Browns listeners were like, okay, Jeff, you might want to sit down on the couch with us because you have no idea what you're talking about yet. But uh, no, look, it's you know, you gotta like the product. Um, and similar to you guys, you know, uh, you know, a lot of roster turnover over the last two years, and it's just trying to find the right group that gel together. Um, obviously, for you guys, and I guess we can start here. Is is Brian? I mean, where is Jimmy G health wise, and how, where is the franchise at? I mean, because the first, I guess, it was the end of seventeen. It, it looked really, really good. Then, obviously, you know, the injury last year, and, you know, I don't want to say you're in limbo, but, I mean, you're hoping that whatever you saw on 17, that guy's coming back with a better knee. Right. That There was that Jimmy G bump, and I think expectations got a little bit ahead of themselves going into 2018 last year. And once you saw Garoppolo go down with that torn ACL, I think the rest of the warts on the on, on the roster sort of got a little bit uh, clearer and it was not a deep team yet. The The roster was completely gutted when John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan took over. So a lot of building to be done on that roster. And I think we saw that last year and they added a lot more pieces this year. And I think some high caliber pieces, some impact pieces. So now I think expectations are high again, but a little bit more muted than they were last year, because I think people realized, okay, we got a little bit ahead of ourselves, still high expectations, still hoping for playoffs, but you know, I, I think there won't be as much disappointment as there was last year just because it, it fell apart completely, obviously, with the 49ers drafting number two overall. But as far as Jimmy G's knee goes, he's at OTAs. He's doing everything except for the contact stuff. So there's no contact happening. He's not doing team drills, but he's doing the seven-on-seven seven stuff, and he's looking good. He's ahead of schedule. He's moving around really well. The ball's coming out good, and I think that's all going to continue to grow. So everything Jimmy Garoppolo re- related right now, is is on point, and I think that's a really exciting sign for the 49ers because I think as Jimmy Garoppolo goes, the 49ers are going to go here in 2019. Yeah, and and, and look, and anybody obviously, you know, you take Cleveland as an example. You know, you can't tread the water at the quarterback position. You either mm-hmm. need your guy, and if you don't have it, I mean, everything else you can do anything else you want to your roster. It just doesn't 
matter. Um, one thing I do want to ask, though, obviously, you know, as, as rough as it was, you know, losing Jimmy, uh, you know, you signed Jarek McKinnon, who you thought was going to be a nice piece. Um, now you actually even doubled up in this year with Tevin Coleman. You guys running wishbone? Well, what's the plan there? Because there's a lot of running backs in San Francisco. Well, first they signed Tevin Coleman, and it was funny because uh, Kyle Shanahan was like, well, we didn't really expect to sign Coleman, but he was still there on the second day of free agency, and we're like, well, we don't, you know, this is, we can sign this guy right now, so I might as well do it. And at first it was like, oh, my God, okay, we've got too many running backs, Jarek McKinnon and Matt Breida, who had a really great season last year, and I, I'm a big fan of Matt Breida's game. And now all of a sudden Matt Breida, it turns out, had a torn pec working out in the off season, he had some ankle injuries last year. So health there is just a, a little bit up and down, a little concerning. I don't think Matt Breida is a guy that you could really be confident in handing the load to, even though he's a really good player. Jarek McKinnon, obviously coming off the ACL from last year. And I think he's going to be more slowly worked in and he's actually behind Garoppolo, even though his ACL was hap- happened earlier. And I think that's just because of the, the nature of his position as a running back. But I think he's going to be more of a passing down weapon. And so now all of a sudden, the only healthy main back that's working out in OTAs is Tevin Coleman. And so he's got a nice little path to maybe being the lead back this year. And so I think just with, uh, you know, wh- however they, they distribute those touches as far as carries go, it's going to be Coleman. It's going to be a lot of Matt Breida. I think they'll pre- pretty much share the backfield and maybe one guy will take over and, and injuries might have something to say about that. And I think we'll see Jarek McKinnon getting mostly uh, third down work. And I think that's how it's going to work out. And I think the 49ers right now are in great shape because you know the attrition at the running back position and you got to have a lot of bodies there. And right now, Kyle Shanahan's looking good. And I think um, in this offense and fantasy football players know you want to have a Kyle Shanahan running back. And so it, <laughs> I don't know which guy's going to end up taking over, but they're looking good there. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to be able to have some depth now on the 49ers uh, running back and in a lot of other positions as well. And I think for you guys, as much as it was a rough patch last year, and obviously when you end up drafting number two overall, where, you know, there was a strong part of your fan base that felt, Oh, wow. You know, I mean, you know, are we getting playoffs this year? You got to see the rise of two players. George Kittle obviously took the league by storm. And for me, I I do play in a high stakes fantasy league. And obviously Odell Beckham missed a lot of time during the end of the season last year. But I was wise enough to throw a couple shekels in an auction league on Dante Pettis, who jumped in and (laughs) just absolutely, I believe it was the last four or five weeks, I mean, you would probably know which weeks it were better, but I know it was the last four or five weeks to close of the season, was phenomenal. And now you get to bring some of these toys back with McKinnon, obviously Tevin Coleman, with Jimmy. It's got to be... The confidence for the offense, at least, is it's got to be it's got to be pretty high. There's, you know, similar to Cleveland, there's a lot of mouths to feed, and that's not a bad thing. Pry. Yeah. So Dante Pettis is. I mean, it, the thing that's clear about Kyle Shanahan and the way he evaluates wide receivers, he wants guys who can separate. And Dante Pettis is that player. And he, he might be a little bit thin. He might have some bird bones. I worry about maybe the workload if he's getting 10, 15 targets per game. I don't know if he'll be able to hold up doing that. That would be the one thing I'd be worried about. And we saw a little bit of that last year. But 
the dude can get open and he's got pure hands. And so the sky's the limit with Dante Pettis in this offense is if he's able to stay healthy and get, you know, the lion's share of the wide receiver receptions in this offense and get those targets and, Man, uh, he could go big, and I, I'm really excited about that young core of wide receivers they're building building with two uh, second-round wide receivers in a row, Debo Samuel. Now, he's going to probably have a good shot at starting at the Z, and you've got Dante Pettis at the X, and Marquise Goodwin's going to work in a little bit at the X position as well. But, uh, yeah, it's just a great fit for what Kyle Shanahan likes to do, and, and Dante Pettis, if he can stay healthy, and he gets a ton of targets and, and can prove the, that he can handle that load of of targets in this offense i think he could go huge for the 49ers and and just you know second year wide receivers getting that bump that we see a lot from young wide receivers and we saw it last year with george kittle the sky is the limit i think for uh, dante pettis in the in this offense if he's able to stay healthy yeah and, and even with kittle combined it's just so many weapons so many mouths to feed it's it it's a nice, nice problem to have because that's kind of what we're going through. And like, so many people are coming at me with, the, well, how is he going to be involved and how is he going to be involved? And if if that's what you're upset about or that's what you're trying to figure out, who cares? <laughs> yeah, we the, the attrition in the NFL is crazy. Like, just go through your roster from last year and, and look at how many people weren't there all year. I mean, that's important to have that. Like, the last thing you should be worried about is how you're going to feed all of the mouths in any – offense uh th- th- there's going to be injuries and some of the guys might get hurt before the season 49ers lost their quarterback and their running back before they could even really get rolling in the season last year so uh depth is, is a very good thing the 49ers finally have it and it looks like the browns are starting to build that as well and in fact a couple of days ago on lockdown 49ers i did a podcast because i was in lake tahoe and i was looking at some of the nfl lines and i thought the browns would still be at least a little bit of an underdog like uh, a team that was you know, that, that people like to bet on, but was still, there were some good odds there. People are, are like, the money's already in on the Browns. The yep. Browns are, like, the darlings of, of Las Vegas, apparently. And I, I was sleeping on that. I had no idea. The Browns had the fourth best or worst, depending on how you look at it, um, odds at winning the Super Bowl. That's crazy. The <laughs> Cleveland Browns are the, the, the fourth favorite team to win the Super Bowl, and... Man, that 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 blows my mind, and that just shows you where where the Browns are right now. The Bears are are sort of that version of the NFC uh, team, and they they were the third worst odds or best odds to win the Super Bowl were, were the Chicago Bears. So, man, the Cleveland Browns people must be super excited over there. Well, what's it like? What's and I know I've seen and look, and this is important too because I saw this last year with the Locked On Forty ers download numbers. It was just like overwhelming hype, and people were super excited and. Numbers were growing and listenership was up, 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 up into September. All of a sudden, week three, Garoppolo tears his ACL. The team starts to lose, and you're like, oh, and it starts to plateau. And you can really see the the uh, ebbs and flows of how excited people are in a team. And I know that you know behind the scenes, we get emails and and we kind of see each other's numbers and see. I've seen your podcast grow on Locked On Browns, and so I know people are excited over there because I can just see the listenership rise. And so I, I got to believe if people are hyped outside of Cleveland, then Cleveland's probably going nuts right now. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's funny. It was uh, and I, it was you know obviously well you brought up week three. It was uh, you know obviously the Browns played the week three Thursday night game against the Jets. Um, you know, it was a game that was all right. Here it is. This is a winnable game. Can you do it? And it wasn't even that. It, you know the game was a snoozer for the first you know quarter and a half. Tyrod went down. Now Baker's coming out of the bullpen, and this was the thing. Once Baker took the field. 
we knew it was over. You were never going to see Tyrod Taylor again. Obviously, came in, lit it up, secured a victory. Now, you know, we, you know, we do a post game usually. You know, boom, final gun. We always sit down, boom. We go with the instant reaction or whatever. And you know, it had been doing well. Obviously, the tie. You know, people were excited. All right, we tied the Steelers, which for years was that was that's just enough. We tied the Steelers. We didn't lose. And then the Saints game, they were into it. And then, you know, it was, you know, I put the show up, you know, and it probably at that point it had been up, you know, maybe midnight, later, whatever. Now, the next morning, you know, I mean, it was the next day at lunchtime, I go and I'm looking at the numbers. I'm like, man, all right, you know, this must be broke or something here. This, this, this can't be right. And the day just went on and, you know, every time I went back, just rolling and rolling. And it was like, wow, we, we've got something here. A, that's what Baker does. A, it also, you know. When you hit on a high draft picks, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, you make a great smart selection in Nick Chubb, and the product just and it, you know they went into a lot of these games, and there were games even even the Chiefs game, people were like, man, I, I can't believe, you know, we lost that bad, and it was well, I mean, these guys were you know they they hosted the AFC Championship game, you know, a few weeks later, it's like. I don't know if we're there yet, but you know, week in, week out, and then you got Hugh out of here, which just made everybody ecstatic. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you threw out Todd Haley right out the door, right behind him. You know, kind of like you know, almost like Fresh Prince of Bel Air, they're getting tossed out the front door. And you take this guy, and we had called Freddie Kitchens Todd for like four weeks when he was the running back coach. We barely knew who the hell the guy was. And so, you, you know, he put him in charge of the offense. All of a sudden now, and Greg Williams had a great philosophy with it. Look, we're not punting if we're in the other team's territory. We're going to go for two a whole bunch. You know, we're underdogs in these games. Go out there, do whatever we got to do to win them. And yards were accumulated and points were scored. And guys like Bashard Perriman and Greg Robinson, who were laughing stocks as far as busts, were contributing factors. And it became just a great story. And then you get into the off season, and you know, and and John with look, we're not going to have to chase what we don't have to chase, and you know, meanwhile he's moving away his starting right guard who should have been an All Pro. Um, you bring in another pass rusher. You sign, sign Sheldon Richardson. Uh, well, if no, if you don't want Odell Beckham, we'll take him. And it was just like, well, what is going on here? You're adding Pro Bowlers, you're adding All Pros, and you just looked at this roster, and and then even when you, we went to the draft, and you know, and I'm getting some heat on this. Everybody's like, oh, we love Mac Wilson. I'm like, guys. I'm not sure a fifth-round draft choice can make the Cleveland Browns right now. That's how good they are. That's what this product has become. And even, you know, we're seeing OTAs. and I mean, we're seeing mini camps the last two days. Baker is scorching balls all over the place. Jarvis Landry's not even there. There's Rashard Higgins. There's Antonio Callaway with Beckham. The talent is just... It got really insanely deep really, really quickly. And the product itself, I mean, like, I'm, I'm just sitting here like... Ah, because, you know, obviously, as everybody knows, I'm here in New Jersey. I loved Odell through the 2014 draft. I was crushed he went to the Giants. I I was praying the Jets would get him. They didn't have the opportunity. I thought this guy was going to take the league by storm. And now getting to cover a guy like this every day, and for the OTAs where he only made one, because you got to let everybody know, because some beat writers, you only made one OTA, and he catches two balls in minicamp, and everybody's you know ready to pop champagne with excitement. It's it's crazy the way it's gone from when I took this gig and it was just kind of like, well, there's some pieces here I like, but this team needs a lot, a lot of work. And where we're at now, it's just like, I mean, it feels like it's been a decade where it's literally you know been about 20 months. Yeah, that's that's nuts. And just you mentioned Nick Chubb there, and. Baker Mayfield, there's a reason like those guys in the in the player props here, when I was looking at those 
Vegas lines, those guys are up there for passing yards and, and leading the league and rushing yards, respectively, both in the top five. And so there's, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of reason for excitement there. And the other thing is the style of player that Baker Mayfield is too. It's fun. It's like the Browns get to have fun now, which I think is pretty cool. On the flip side of that, is there any worry? Has there been any bit of like a, oh, well, I wonder if Baker Mayfield is a front runner. If things do go bad, is there that personality that things could could maybe crash a little bit. Has there been any of that? Yesterday, and it was weird because Duke Johnson is going into his fifth year here, and this franchise has for years said, we need to get Duke Johnson more involved. They never get Duke Johnson more involved. And uh, and it was, you know, when John Dorsey came in, you know, it's going to be my guys. We're looking for real football players. All right, well, Duke Johnson, this is going to be interesting. But then in June of 18, after signing Carlos Hyde in free agency, after drafting Nick Chubb, they give Duke Johnson a nice fat contract extension. He's now the highest paid running back in the room. Then you go to the 2018 season, and he played even less than he had his first three years in Cleveland. So you're sitting here, well, what's going on here? And then obviously, you know, right after the Super Bowl, you know, they jumped all over, they signed Kareem Hunt. And it's like, all right, well, here's Duke again. And then, you know, they peddled Duke for months. They misplayed their hand. Maybe they gave him more money than they thought, you know, they should have. Um, you know, they they put him on the market. They wanted a third. They couldn't get anything better than a fifth. And so Duke Johnson is a little bit of an upset guy right now. He's, he's going into his fifth year with this franchise, and he literally has no idea what his standing is. And Baker kind of, I, I just didn't like the wording with what he said yesterday. And I understand. And this is this is something that's always gone on for years. Is like you know you when you're asked about a teammate, what do you say? Oh, he's a great player. I hope he's here. You don't. He kind of like called him out, and that 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 definitely rubbed me the wrong way. I understand you're the rallier, and you want you know you're going to say this, and everybody's going to say hoorah and jump in it with you. But Duke Johnson's been a really really good player here, and he's been really really productive and. It's it's okay for Duke to say, look, I've been here now five years, and I still don't understand what my standing is with this franchise. It's okay for him to say that because it's true, and you know. So the way that was one thing, um, but as far as everything else, you know, look, I mean, there's guys when you get slighted like Baker did, and it was you know the college thing and you know everything, and you know there's people who are you know use him as a lightning rod basically to do their entire radio shows, Colin Coward. So when you do these type of things, look, I, it's the, the world now and the age of these guys and the way they are, it's a lot more of a bark back community. And it's because of social media and things like that. That wasn't what bothered me yesterday. That, that's not what bothered me. But yesterday where he kind of called Duke out, whereas to say, look, Duke's a really good talent. I hope he sticks around. I hope he's here. That would have come off better in my opinion than it would have you know well if you're not with us you're against us and I hope and, and to use the phrase I hope he can do his job when the guys played 64 out of 64 games in the NFL as a running back that was just like ooh, dude now now maybe you went just a little bit too far but it's it's one misstep and what's a lot but yeah you're you're gonna maybe have some concerns on bad days but we've gotten to talk to you know, we've had we had Joel Batonio on a couple of weeks ago and he said the thing about Baker is is even when you think he's completely lost and there were games it was the Houston game it was the Baltimore game he's like we used to see quarterbacks go down that bad path and it was like oh well this is gonna be a rough next month 
And he's like, uh, and then he was like, oh, third quarter. Uh, never mind. He's back. He's good. We're okay. And you, the, the talent is there so you can warrant, you know, so you can get away and be okay with the over-enthusiasm and sometimes the cocky too much that some people don't like. You can get away with it because you're really stinking good. So I want to talk a little bit about the defensive side of the ball. We've talked a lot of offense here. And the 49ers, obviously, they added D Ford in the offseason. They added Nick Bosa with the number two overall pick. And they've already got DeForest Buckner in there uh, in the middle of that defensive line. So on paper, 49ers are are hoping to have one of the best defensive lines in football. And uh, they're hoping that that helps their secondary out. Their secondary did not perform really well last year, I think, uh, really aside from Richard Sherman, and Richard Sherman's now a little bit healthier, got some staples out of his Achilles that was bothering him last year, so hopefully he's got a little half a step back because he did look a step slow last year, even though he was still running routes for guys because he's such a smart football player. But I think that's what the 49ers are trying to do on defense. They're trying to just be amazing up front. They're going to try to bully teams. They're going to try to get after quarterbacks and really force them into turnovers because they only had two turnovers as a team last year, and that was a big problem, I think, that's going to just help. That's just going to get better anyways and, and get closer to the mean. But then adding to pressuring the quarterback, I think, is going to help just about everybody on that on that field. And then you've got Fred Warner, who was the starting middle linebacker yep. from day one last year. And so he'll jump into season two and you've got the green dot on his helmet and looks like just a really nice young player and a smart player for a long time for the 49ers. So I like the way it's going there. And that defensive front is the thing that should carry the 49ers. And I know there's Miles Garrett. I know there are some uh, big pieces. Ward was the first-round pick last year for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, what is that defense starting to look like over there in Cleveland? Well, before we get to that, um, tell me about Quan, Quan Alexander. Uh, where's right. the health at? And and where? I mean, because it just seems so odd for a guy coming off an ACL to get a contract that was that high. I, and I was just, I was staggered. I mean, look, I know who his agent is, and he can get it done and provide. But it was like, wow. That just seemed like an awful lot of money. Uh, you know, how for a how's he progressing, and what did you think about the move? Yeah, that I did think he got a little bit too much money. I was a little bit surprised there, and I think the 49ers knew that they were looking at the draft and they were thinking, well, I don't think there's anybody that we're going to get in the second, third round that's going to help us out. It was, it was a two linebacker class, right? So it was a two linebacker class. They drafted Dre Greenlaw in the fifth round, who's someone who's probably going to start playing special teams early, and he's an undersized guy, and he's you know sort of the new type of linebacker that they're hoping can uh, can great, run around. Great so, story by him about him though. That was awesome about that, yeah. stuff like character through the roof, and uh, seems like a really good dude. So they're going to hope to develop that athleticism. And, uh, and have somebody there that can maybe cover a little bit. But I think they knew they needed a linebacker. They needed a re- Basically, it was an expensive problem that they had to replace Reuben Foster. It, w- it was a mistake that they had to buy their way out of. And Quan Alexander was the guy that they tabbed. And coming off the ACL, giving him all that money was quite surprising. I, I was really surprised when they signed him for how much. The- there's, there's, I think the big thing there is that Prog Marate does a great job managing the cap for the 49ers and negotiating contracts. And it's it's a lot of money year to year, but they can get out of it after any year. So long term, if it doesn't work out, they can still cut him and, and not be hurt at all by it. It's basically a year to year contract for Quan Alexander. So they're hoping he's going to be back. He's expected to be back by training camp and be ready to play for week one. I've heard that before with guys coming off of ACLs. I mean, ACL is not what it used to be, but it's still... A significant injury, and so and, and it tr- everybody comes back from that a little bit different, and, and timetables can change. So, it, and it didn't happen early in the season; it happened, I think, October. 
So maybe yep. uh, maybe even November. I think October. But Quan Alexander is somebody that they think you know fits exactly what they want in a weak side linebacker with all that athleticism he has. The question is, is he going to be healthy? And if he's not healthy, then they wasted at least a little bit of money. And But they can get out of the contract. So that's one thing I'll say about the contract. But I'm with you. I was a little bit surprised by it. I think it was, I mean, just looking at it, it was obviously a situation. And they did this before with Jarek McKinnon. Uh, at least that was before his ACL injury where they were like, look, this is our guy. And maybe he's got some, uh, maybe we've got competition with some teams willing to pay him some money. So we're going to have to pay him the most. We're going to have to overpay him basically to get him in here. And I think that's what we saw with Quan Alexander, but they got their guy. And if he's healthy, I think he fits in great. The question is, is he going to be ready to go week one? And I, and I think that's going to be one of the storylines for camp is how is Quan Alexander's knee? Is he ready to play? Because the 49ers have a lot of injuries on this roster and they need some, I think they need some luck in that category in 2019. Uh, yeah, and look, and, and everybody does, but uh, with the Browns, and, and I think it was a similar, a, a similar, obviously with a new defensive coordinator now in tow and a, a lot of new coaches. I think the theory was is, hey, let's make sure the quarterback doesn't throw the ball. <laughs> so you know, what do you right. do there? You had Miles Garrett. Look, Miles Garrett last year, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, the first Cincinnati Bengal game, he had twelve pressures. 12 pressures from a defensive from a defensive end in, in one game. It's just an insane number. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi played very well. The problem was these guys were physically and totally taxed. Um, I don't think any defensive tackle last year in the NFL played more snaps than Larry Ogunjobi did. The last uh, last two games, Larry Ogunjobi played with a blown-out bicep, still showed up. Miles Garrett uh, was number two at the defensive end position. These guys needed help. Um, how they went so long without addressing the defensive tackle position, and it's still weak after the starters. But Sheldon Richardson was a guy we had pegged. The reason we liked Sheldon Richardson for the Browns was he's – a three technique, but he can also play hand in the dirt uh, edge. He can also play stand up edge. He played it with the Jets. Uh, Olivier Vernon, um, a nice player. But the thing is, is you can just rotate these guys. Miles Garrett in his rookie year played a lot on the inside and in pass rushing downs. They weren't able to do that year two. Um, you mix in a Gennard Avery, so you can kind of go a NASCAR front where you can go Sheldon Richardson, Gennard Avery, Olivier Vernon, and obviously Miles Garrett and put him anywhere. And we've already seen this in minicamp. They've kind of got Gennard Avery kind of doing the Justin Tuck from the Super Bowl against the Patriots, the stand, waiting for everybody to get set, and then jump into where he's going to go to. They've done some really good things with the defensive line. In a lot of the league is trending this way, you know, but some just can't because if you didn't get a couple of guys, it's hard to get a couple more. But you want to get yourself to that point where you're getting a nickel and dime, and this is especially what you want to do if you were going to be a winning team. You're going to be a nickel and dime predominantly the entire second half. So you want these guys that can just get after the quarterback, and you're going to be able to say, hey, come get two, three reps off, get a drink, get yourself ready. I want you to take every rep at 100%, not some reps at 80 to 85, just because. So I think they've done a fantastic job there. Linebacker, I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned with, I love Joe Schobert. He's a fantastic player, 
100 plus tackles the last two years. I think he'll be better in run defense and be able to tackle better with better defensive interior defensive line play where he's actually not getting guards on him like he was last year, which led to some issues with some tackling. He'll be kept clean. Greedy Williams, here's a guy you got at 47. A lot of people had pegged in that 25 to 32 range in the draft. He doesn't have to come in here and be cornerback one as a rookie. He doesn't necessarily ever have to be cornerback one ever because you have Denzel Ward. But you have some nice size guys in him and Terrence Mitchell and TJ Carey who played really good at times last year. So if you want to go big nickel, you can put one of them in there. If you need, if there's teams you're playing who have that elite slot guy, you can kick Denzel inside because you got big guys on the outside. Uh, Demarius Randall had a fantastic year one in Cleveland. Uh, he's gonna, they're gonna, they're going with a safety approach of not so much the traditional free safety, strong safety. It'll be depending on the look. You know, either safety could be closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, you brought in a guy like Morgan Burnett, who obviously has you know with the, more of the box safety mentality. Eric Murray is a corner who you know does have who's been a safety the last couple of years with the Chiefs, so he obviously can handle man coverage. There's a lot of things you can do with him. You drafted Sheldrick Redwine out of Miami, who's a thumper, but he's athletic enough to play a deeper zone coverage. They did a nice job there. The linebacking core I'm a little concerned about. Look, we wanted Gerald McCoy because when you could have had five starters for what is four spots, I mean these guys would have been you know playing what, you know, 70 to 75% of the reps per game. It would have been a really nice thing to work out. I don't really know how it didn't work out. He was the first stop. I don't know if the allure of staying in the South in 11 games or two hours from his house in Tampa. So, you know, his family, it's a lot easier for them to get to it. But I still think that if, and this is something I'm going to look for June 1st, and obviously, you know, any cuts during the summer, if there's a quality defensive tackle cut, the Browns are going to be in on that, definitely. We don't have much time left here, and I know that the the Browns and the 49ers, it's, uh, are, are they ready for primetime? Because they got some primetime matchups. You mentioned earlier about how there's not as many 1 o'clock games on the schedule as, as maybe there has been. And Week 5, Monday Night Football, it's at Levi's Stadium. 49ers have an early bye Week 4, uh, two road games to start, Tampa, Cincinnati, then home against Pittsburgh. I think I'm hoping for a 2-1. and one. I think 2-1 and one coming into that bye week and then into Monday Night Football would be really nice for the 49ers to be able to maybe steal that game at home against the Steelers and split on the road. Um, you know, because, you know, it's it's rough going to the East Coast and playing those 10 a.m. games for these West Coast teams. Where, where and, I, and we're going to be able to have a crossover here before Week 5 and get deeper into this and make some predictions, but where in your mind do you think the Browns will be at going into Week 5? The they got like a gift with their schedule. The tough part is obviously the beginning of the schedule. Um, you know Tennessee week one, obviously the Jets week two. You know that, that's not what concerns me. Um, but the the, the front part is, is the tough part. You've got Seattle, you've got L.A. Obviously we've got you guys. Uh, then they have their bye week in New England. But once you get past that, it's you've got your Cincinnati's twice, and I I think the back end of the schedule. The Browns, if you know, a dream would be four and two through six, three and three would be fine. But that second half of the schedule, it just, it's just so easy, and it just looks so tempting. But yeah, I mean, I think they are, and they got obviously a little bit of a taste of it last year with the Jet game. And then look, Denver isn't as far as trip as obviously San Francisco, but you've got, and I think part of this is is maybe the the night games and the travel. 
more veteran teams, maybe there's the issue. These young guys, they've been waiting for this all their lives. You know, like, you know, Monday Night Football. Baker Mayfield's looking for it just as much as Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, obviously, you know, Pettis and Kittle. I mean, you know, for a lot of people, you know, I do think, you know, a lot of people obviously are on to Cleveland or on to San Francisco as far as teams and what they've done. So those are the games, like, even removing myself from hosting this, those are the ones I look forward to. I mean, how many Patriots... Steeler Monday night. Oh, I've seen this a hundred thousand times. I think that's what it's going to be. That's what's going to be a nice allure to this. Is a lot of people are going to be like, "Well, well, San Francisco. Look at all those guys, and you know, Cleveland. Look at all the. I mean, I think it's going to be one of the better. Just a football fan because that's what you get on Monday night. Or people who just want to watch whatever game is on, and when it's different characters and it's different players and it's guys you really haven't gotten to see because you know you are in south florida or you are in texas and these aren't games you normally watch that's going to be the allure of it and everyone's going to be you know i I think a lot of people are going to come away with it whichever way the game turns out is well wow san francisco and cleveland they've been doing some work that's gonna be a fun one prime time and yeah that's it's like Yes, two new teams, up-and-coming, fresh teams. It's going to be a fun one, Week 5. I can't wait. Monday Night Football, 49ers and Browns, and hopefully there's uh, a lot of wins between those two teams when uh, when Week 5 hits. And it's going to be a fun one. And, Jeff, we're out of time here, but we're going to have a chance to talk then uh, coming into Week 5 and looking forward to it, man. And, and good luck to you. And, and, man, props to all the success you're having there with the Locked On Browns podcast. Thank you, buddy. I do appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, you know, Obviously, I've come to you many a time for questions over the years about this, and I do appreciate that. Uh, obviously, Brian, uh, best to the fam, and uh, I don't know how much longer nap time's going, but uh, you better be yeah, ready. He- Have that uh, <laughs> sippy cup and a little snack ready to go. <laughs> he did good. He stayed asleep for this nice little podcast. Jeff, uh, awesome. Always great talking to you. You guys can find Jeff at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd on Twitter. You can find me at BD Peacock, and we'll talk to you next time.